Hello, and welcome to the Young Musician's Guide podcast. I am your host, Aaron Campbell. This podcast is a series of conversations with music professionals and varying career paths, um, getting their advice and their ideas, um, anything that they have to say that might be helpful for other people who are seeking their own path in music. Today, we are joined by vocalist, entrepreneur, businesswoman, and overall superwoman, Laura Barrett. Uh, she owns her own lesson company in the area. She also gigs and organizes a whole bunch of different events and, and just does a bunch of things. And it was really cool talking to her. It seemed like the overall arching concept that I got from this was that you can't let fear or a lack of knowledge about any specific career path or anything you want to do stop you from doing the things you want to do. And I know that the conversation was extremely inspirational and motivational for me. And I'm so excited to be able to share those words that she had with you. But before we get into that conversation, I would like to urge you, if you could please leave a rating, leave a like, leave a subscribe, leave a comment. Um, just those things on all whatever the platform is that you're listening to this that can help us beat the algorithms and help other people find this podcast. And speaking of other people finding this podcast, if you feel like the information that you're getting from this is helpful to you, I'm sure you have somebody in your circles who isn't listening yet who should be. Um, if you could share it with them and send it their way and let them know of the value that you're getting out of this podcast and hopefully they can get the same amount of value um, and help this whole thing grow. And if you've got a couple bucks, head over to the Patreon, uh, become a patron, get a couple shout outs in the credits, all those sorts of things, uh, more details on those actual sites, but it is a more financial way that you can help us get take care of some of the overhead that we have here at the Young Musicians Guide. Also, I would like to reach out to you, the community. Um, if you know of any projects or anything that's going on that in the music world that either you are working on or a buddy is working on that you think deserves uh, a shout out on this show uh, or that you think that this community really needs to know about anything that's entrepreneurial or just creative and awesome um, in the music world. Uh, give me a shout out on any of my social media forms. Uh, those are always in the links and all that kind of stuff. You can find me. And let's make sure we get it heard and get it known. And hopefully that can be a segment in this intro where I can give a shout out to these certain things and where people can get a hold of it and take part in anything else awesome that's going out in the community. All right. So yeah, with that, uh, all the business end is over. So please enjoy the conversation I got to have with awesome businesswoman, Laura Barrett. So you're doing stuff for the bowl game that's coming to town. We are. And so is that a side com or another company? How many companies do you have now? Oh, that's a complicated question. Well, the studio is my my company that's mine. And then I collaborate with um, the downtown crawlers. I'm not like an owner really. I guess I would I could be a collaborator, we'll say. But I do a bunch of stuff. They put on a lot of crawls um, in the downtown area. They want to like really highlight the bars downtown because um, nobody's really doing anything to promote downtown. So they consider themselves, we consider ourselves the downtown promoters. And um, so with the national championship coming to town, 
a lot of people are staying downtown, even though the game is obviously at the stadium. Um, and same thing, we want to highlight the bars downtown for people coming in from out of town, but also like Tampa people who are obviously going to be here for the game get really good deals on lots of places that you already know and some that you probably don't. Make it less annoying for all the people. Yeah, less for annoying. The game. Yeah. It's funny. I was driving up to North Tampa, like toward like Lutz in that area. So I take the expressway. The University of Alabama is already advertising in this area. Oh yeah, it's like, unbelievable. There, it was like they won that game Saturday, and they were going. Well, we've been, obviously, we've been really sensitive to all of that since we're putting on something mm-hmm. in conjunction with the Did you do anything for the last, for yesterday, anything, any no, this past weekend yesterday. for that? We, it takes so much, like, back-end work. We have to, like, really so plan ahead. Yeah, yeah, so we, like, one. made our stake. And that was the bigger one, anyway. Yeah. Like, I saw the stadium yesterday, and it was, it was full, it was, like, but it wasn't packed. You right. Know, like it can mm-hmm. be. Yeah. So that was probably the better choice. So, um... I don't know where to start with all this. All right. Well, hey, first off, thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming down here. My pleasure. I really appreciate it. Um, so you and you have a bunch of lesson students down here already. Yeah. Are you going to one after goal. this? Or? I am, yes. <laughs> you said this time and I was like, I bet you she's got somewhere to be right after. Yep. <laughs> Line it up just right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm saying I have one at four coming here. So it worked out Perfect. very well for both of us. Yeah. So... So let's let's go way back. Where so you are a vocalist? Yes. Have you been? I mean, did you like? Did you come out of the womb singing, or have you always been involved in it? How did you get started in vocal stuff? Yeah. So well, vocal stuff. I actually started in piano. My mom's side of the family is just a whole bunch of like professionally trained musicians, and my mom is actually a concert pianist. Graduated with her master's from Oberlin, and she has a studio. Um, in Brandon and so I like grew up with her always teaching and we were kind of (laughs) like forced into piano lessons I think by default and I I liked piano but um, I realized when I got a little older in high school that voice is like a lot easier for me (laughs) it's a little more abstract and a little bit more creative and from my perspective and so um, I took to that much better and I was already planning on going to school for music. So I kind of like hopped over to voice. Um, and so how long were you doing piano for? Piano. Oh, since I was four. Until when Until did, when did college you... is when I kind of stopped like really seriously practicing. So were you in choir in like high school? Or... Yeah. So I did, um, I took a couple private lessons in middle school for voice just to kind of test it out. And I was in like little choir things, but then I did, um, show choir at my high school and that's where I really was like oh I think I could do good at this if I really tried <laughs> and then my um, senior the beginning of my senior year of high school um, my mom got me set up with lessons with Jerry Reynolds who was a professor at USF at the time and so I would drive to USF every week for my lessons and at the time I was like this is so stupid this is such a long drive why am I doing this and then when I was in college I realized oh my god well I've been taking college lessons a year longer than everybody else who's a freshman so that was good um and we um I kept studying with him all throughout college and um he kind of like sculpted me into an opera singer that um I am and was that by your choice to do opera or you know, at the was time it, some it wasn't nice convincing. It wasn't even there was no there was no conversation. We just sang opera songs <laughs> and I sang them. 
<laughs> Did you come in with that intent? No, no, I didn't actually. I um, sang more jazz in high school actually and um, did like a little, like some jazz gigs while I was in college because they're, you know, a lot easier to come by than opera gigs. And um, then obviously did a lot, a lot of opera singing and a ton of performing um, through school and what USF already had set up in their channels. Um, but opera wasn't really, I didn't like set out to be an opera singer at all by any means. Um, and I think Jerry saw that I like I had the voice for it and just kind of made the executive decision <laughs> that that's what I would be. So but, when you when you're going through because you have a your bachelor's is in performance, right? Music studies. Music studies. Okay. Yeah. So when you're going through and you're as a voice person, so it's not because were you in like the choirs as well? Were you did you have to do those large ensembles yeah, as well? Mm -hmm, yeah. So you're doing so in your private studies, you were doing mostly the you were doing mostly the opera stuff correct? right mm -hmm. and so you're also doing the large stuff were you was there like any chamber singer type of singing or anything like that yeah as well? i was in the chamber singers and university singers and bel canto all of the ensembles any, <laughs> ever like, any like acapella or anything like that or no i don't think we really had anything going like that at that time they were just starting up the actual um like opera choir when mm -hmm. i was there um, but I did a lot, I did more solo stuff. I, because of my background and all my family being musicians, um, that's where I had the most experience was a ton of solo singing. And then, um, I had a lot of other friends kind of already in like the business world. And so I did a lot of singing for like corporate events and like very serious opera-esque weddings and things like that. That's like mostly what I did. It's a I lot of Ave Maria. Oh my God! Please don't talk about Ave Maria. Yeah. <laughs> so your season just passed. Yeah, yeah, it did. It, it did. Um, so, because I'm just curious, because I don't know the the backings of a of a vocal technique and how you go through it. Um, so I was like, I feel like instrumental. They're they're broadening out everybody now. It's this like like trumpet players cannot. You can't just come in and say I want to play big band swing. You just can't do that anymore. You have to be able to play everything and. All that kind of stuff. So it's it's interesting to hear how the vocal side is as well. It seems like you in your private study you went very hard solo stuff, but you also got the exposure outside of the studio as well. Yeah, and and kind of the same thing. That was almost coincidental. Um, but yeah, my education in college was so so very focused on opera, and I mean I think I could have steered that if I wanted to to be a little bit wider, but. Um, I think just being young, I was like a lot more complacent and just like, this is fun. And so I did that. But yeah, I mean, then when you get out of college and, you know, then I gigged because it was like fun to gig and everyone's doing a gig. But then you get out and you have to like <laughs> live and stuff. Yeah, that's, so that's, <laughs> that's the next question. So you didn't, so what, was grad school an option? Were you thinking about it at all or? No, I was so sick of school. <laughs> I was ready to be done with school. But um, when I graduated, I actually was having like a little bit of like a, I, I think too, the way that um, music education is in college right now, it's so like technically driven, at least it was for me. And I always feel like a very, like I always want to achieve the highest no matter what my thing is. I mean, we all do. But so music theory, okay, I want to get an A in music theory, I want to get an A in all that. 
And some of those things I'm like naturally really good at. Some of those things I have to try a lot harder at. But, you know, I want to be the absolute best. I want to make straight A's. I want to give the best performance. I want to have the best juries. I want to do the best recital, you know. And so whatever's in front of me, that's what I want to do. But then um, I graduated and I was like, I don't think I really like this. <laughs> and and I didn't. A lot of the fun had been taken out of it. It was hard. I think a lot of other music majors identify with this. You probably do too, where it's like sometimes hard to listen to a song, especially within your genre, and not be so analytical and not see it as like a math equation and just like enjoy it or like close your eyes and not think. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. I, it's because I've almost... This, this is compl- almost on topic, uh, but I've almost <laughs> exclusively dated non-musicians or people who were, like, in high school band but stopped afterwards. <laughs> um, and th- intentionally, because I don't like coming to the dinner table and what do you talk about? Let's talk about band. Oh, like, yeah, I don't want to do that. And um, it's funny because I've been asked the question, do you feel like your education has ruined en- the enjoyment of music? And there are times where I turn on the radio now and I'm just like, this is horrible. Like... There's, there's two chords here, the words are useless and all that kind of stuff. But then there's also times where, like, me and my buddy who are super nerds, we go we go to a movie, we're watching a Marvel movie, and it's just big brass orchestrations, and we're like, oh, you hear that 4-1 suspension? Like, we, we, st- <laughs> and we get, like, nerdy over that kind of stuff, and it makes it more exciting. Uh, have you, I mean, so, yeah, well, I totally relate. Yeah, I mean, I like the nerdy stuff. We went to go see Rogue One a couple weeks ago, and... You know, I'm not really, like, a Star Wars fan. I haven't seen, like, nearly half of the movies. But I was going, so everybody's going, and I'm excited because it's cool because it's Star Wars, you know. And um, the whole time I'm just sitting there, like, thinking about John Williams and this and that and music. And, oh, this is very interesting. and You know, and um, all of the harmonic stuff that's happening. But I don't, but see, I don't like that I do that because I'd rather sit there and, just enjoy everything. and watch the movie. Yeah. But I think... Um, I've only recently, I was just actually talking with um, someone else about this, another musician. I've only recently started, like, actually liking music again, like, in the simplest possible capacity of just liking music. Um, And because I am seeing the studio so much more now as, like, a business that I run, and um, even, like, music, I've been doing a lot more jazz gigs lately, too, which is good, because since I don't have, like, a formal training I don't have like all of these notes and like you know little lessons to reflect on and think about and there's not too much to analyze you know and um, I've only really started like re-liking music now oh so what I was saying was when I graduated I actually took this like corporate office job and I was so excited about it because I never worked like a corporate office job and I was just like elated to be a professional somebody something and I hated it because it like sucks the life out of me to go somewhere from like nine to six I was like the death of my soul pretty much and um so I think I lasted there maybe like two months or so but then (laughs) it was such a funny time in my life because I was so like disappointed and had no idea what I should do and just couldn't think about it and oh my god what am I gonna do now and um it was like this epiphany of like well oh my god, I could do music. <laughs> <laughs> that thing. That, yeah, that thing. That pe- I have a piece of paper in this. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's, and the reason, I mean, we went off on a little bit of a tangent, but the reason I kind of steered us into that tangent is um, that is a, the deciding factor for a lot of people on do I want to go to grad school or not. Is they, I mean, there are books written about people who go to Juilliard and just get burnt out yeah. on music. 
and it, it seems like you were in there a little bit, especially mm-hmm. the, the the academic side of music. Oh, yes. And I, I'll be with, I'm honest with you as well, like, and we're about the same age. I didn't feel like an artist. Like, I didn't feel like a student of the art form as much as an actual artist myself until about a year outside of graduate school. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was the first time I was like, oh, yeah, I get to, like, make my own decisions and do my own things and whatever. Um, and it, so that's really, it's really interesting. And you just kind of went away from it yeah. a little bit. All it wasn't, it wasn't even in your mind to even work in music at the time. You were just done. Yeah, I was so done. It didn't even occur to me. I remember like when I, cause basically this company contacted me. I don't even know how they found me and, um, asked me to come and like teach with them. And I was like, oh my god, music. It was like, I forgot. And it had literally been like six months since I had just graduated. But I just hadn't thought about it. And even when I um, like started teaching with that company and I was thinking about starting my own studio, I still wasn't sure that I could really like do that. It was almost like, yeah, it was like this um, music was just so heavy at that time for me because it was so, it was, it was so academic. Academic is a good word. So were you, were you afraid of it? Were you afraid of your ability or were you just afraid of it being ruined for you because of the analytics behind it? And all it was ruined. And I think at the time I couldn't have really like said that, that it was like really ruined and I was really burnt out. No, you just spent a bunch of money on a degree right. for it. It's like <laughs> whitewater like, rafting. It's like people go and they spend hundreds of dollars to do it and they come back bruised and they're like, no, we had a great time. It's yeah, right. You have to convince everybody. Yeah. 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 I think I definitely felt like that, that, you know, I was just, I was done I was done. And I even felt, I remember those first couple years of teaching, I remember kind of almost feeling like a fraud of like, I'm teaching these kids to love music and it's just going to ruin their life if they keep doing it. (laughs) But it was, um, that was like a really important, I think for like the musician part of me, that was really important to like have to still function like um, as a professional musician and a teacher um, even though I wasn't like really feeling like the love, like that expressive side, that abstract artist side of music was like nowhere to be found in there in the beginning for a while. Um, but that was good because, you know, we all need that. I think with like the things that we do, where you have to like push through those times where or you take don't a really break feel from inspired. It yeah. If you take a break from things, a lot of times you come back and find that oh you missed that part of your life or yeah. things like that mm-hmm. so so you get so you're done with school you you work for a company for a little bit but that was a no-go <laughs> but for and on the non-music side of things and then you get a so you started teaching lessons for an outside company yeah right did you did they have a studio for you or were they just contractors they were contractors and we would teach like in students homes and if you don't mind sharing the like nitty gritty of it, so what, how much how much did the people pay per lesson, and how much did you actually get per lesson? Oh man, I don't even know if I remember. I think I I ooh, I think I made maybe about like half of what I think they paid twenty five dollars per half hour, and I think I made twelve fifty. But that you like, and you had to go to the reimbursement right, for no, gas yeah. at all. And the time it takes to drive from house to house, and you know it's much different when it's like your company, and so all that time means something. That's but even different from like a place like 
Guitar Center where you're only getting paid maybe ten dollars an hour, but you but clock they're all in. Back to back, yeah. Yeah, you clock in and you teach, and if there aren't kids there, you still get paid for the time that you're there. You know that kind of thing. So th- it, this seemed like, you know, you were kind of getting abused. Yeah. Oh, and it felt like financially. That. Well, and a lot of the people, the thing that I um, felt very strongly about with this company was like their quality control for um, the teachers because. A lot of people didn't have music degrees, which is fine. I don't think you necessarily need a degree, but they would, um, we would have these like conferences. You had to do like continuing education, which is just a waste of my time. <laughs> and so, wait, the company would require you to do those things? Yeah. Would they pay to send you? No, 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 no. Yeah. And people would say the most ridiculous things. So, there's, I was a piano teacher for that company, and there's this whole piano teacher thing on like basic things to include in lessons. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to sit through this. And um, one of the, they were all like webinars basically. And this other girl, so you couldn't see anybody, which is great because I would just be like watching a show with headphones in while this webinar is going on. And, um, but uh, some other teacher from some other location, was asking, she's like, I have a question. And they're like, okay, go ahead. And she's like, how important is it that we teach um, rhythm? And I was like, whoa, 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 what? What's that? Oh, this might be the first time and we're recording it, so I'm happy that we have a vocalist. <laughs> we have a vocalist stressing the importance of rhythm education. Oh, absolutely. I could it go is on, on record. Forever. It is on record. <laughs> I would just That's what I was going to say. When I, when I put in the description for the podcast, it's going to say, Laura Barrett, rhythm enthusiast. <laughs> yeah, perfect. There are not, yeah, the hate that vocalists get on not stressing rhythms or musicality is just very, very sad. Um, there's lots of us vocalists who understand, appreciate, and value, and stress the importance of rhythm, along with, you know, intonation and all the vocalist things. But so, yeah. She said she just doesn't really teach rhythm because she doesn't really understand it. She, you know, and she's not talking about like, you know, um, syncopation or, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like some really complicated something like a, a particular, like a 64th note or whatever. She's talking about rhythm, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, okay, so what, like, like quarter notes? Like that's really... Like tricky. what's on the like, piece of paper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's that was always and that was always a debate too, because I kinda did a gig like that. Um I taught in a guitar store. It wasn't a guitar center or a big box store, which thank goodness, and I learned a lot doing it. But a lot of the people, like even people who had guitar performance degrees, were okay teaching their students just tab and stuff like that. Which the crazy. big problem with that is there's no rhythm. Right. So you have to hear the song before you do that. But there's a gigantic problem in that is, you know, if you get hired to come in and play a job where you've never seen the piece of paper before. Yeah. Or hurt, mm-hmm. or, it's a, or it's a piece of, you know, it's a piece of music that hasn't been played before, which right. isn't mm-hmm. often, but it happens. Uh-huh. You have to read it. Right. It's just not well-rounded musicianship. Yeah. And so also at that time, I was teaching um, these two brothers, and they were in like second and fourth grade, and they were very challenging students. They're actually still in the studio and I love them to pieces. They're like one of my favorite families. And they were really challenging because they really didn't want to take lessons and I came to this realization that like, okay, this is either going to be like the worst hour of my week or like we have to find a way that I can work together with both of them to make this time like enjoyable even though they don't see like a relevance to piano right now this minute. 
Um, so I kind of like developed my own teaching philosophy <clears throat> almost exclusively through these two boys. Um, and we used, instead of using like method books or even like a real theory book, we would like learn everything out of, I think we started doing, we might have been doing Star Wars in fact, I kind of forget what I started them in, but um, it was so roundabout, everything had to be like so roundabout to like get them to enjoy it, but we got to this point where they really enjoyed it. Um, and then on the back end, I'm like watching other teachers, like essentially, you know, we make the same amount of money, we do the exact same thing, but what we're offering is really, really different. Um, and that was kind of where I birthed the idea of my own studio, I think, um, is with just kind of watching all of that happen all at once on like the front end with students and the back end with teachers. Um, and I wouldn't say that I felt like I, I still felt very burnt out from music, but <clears throat> I felt very um, empowered by like my music academia um, to be able to use that with um, students who either really want to learn music and I have the tools for that or kids who really don't and their parents really want them to and make it to where everybody's having at least an a-okay time um, and yeah that's where all that so did started. you did you set it up as a company right away or did you just break off and start teaching lessons on your own I started on my own and I was really, really not thinking of starting a company. I actually didn't even think of myself as an entrepreneur or a capable business person or anything. All of that would have actually probably terrified me. Um, and I would have even probably described myself as like risk adverse at that time. Um, but I just knew that I could do lessons well, basically. And I could do it myself and I could <laughs> make more money and um, have more fun because I don't have somebody over me telling me what to do. Um, and I did, I had a lot of fun and I built like some really amazing relationships. A lot of those families from the beginning are like still in the studio now, whether they take with me or one of our other teachers on staff. And, um, I think that the, my niche for the studio, which I was building at that time and didn't really think about, um, intentionally is like the community that we have. All of our students, they all know each other because our retention is really good. Um, but also everybody's kind of like like-minded, like we draw in really similar types of people. So there's families in the studio who all hang out outside the studio, but the only context they have for knowing each other is recitals or their kids did a duet together one time or they see each other at contests every year. Um, and those families develop their own relationships just through that. And I think that's like really cool. My studio growing up that I was in didn't do anything like that. Um, and then, of course, like the in-home lessons, we teach in-home and all that, and that's um, not necessarily 100% unique, but there's not as many people doing that as um, lessons in studios. Um, but, yeah, I didn't um, think of it as a business, actually, until my son was born. So now we're talking about, let's see, I started teaching on my own in, like, 2011. I broke off and then in 2014, yeah, so like three years later when my son was born, I just kind of had in my head that like nobody's going to call me for lessons anymore. I don't know why I thought that, but I was just sure the studio is now going to die. <laughs> my professional life is over. Um, and yeah, I don't know. That's just what I thought. And um, But I kept getting just as many calls as I had before, but I was already kind of at capacity before my son was born. And then I took a break when he was born, and then when I came back, it was like, everybody was like, okay, yeah, okay, so this person wants to take, and this person wants to take. And um, 
So I thought, I put up flyers at USF and at UT, and they were stupid. They were like, I didn't have a logo at that time. I wasn't an LLC. Like, there was nothing. I was just like, hey, I want a teacher, guys. And um, I interviewed two people. <clears throat> and even in those interviews, I was like, well, this has been a really cool power trip where I feel amazing, but I'm not going to like hire somebody because I don't know what that means. And that's probably going to make my taxes harder. And <laughs> I was just like thinking of all of the things that would be really hard about that. And um, when I, Brendan, who was my first hire, but my last interview in that round of interviews, um, I was interviewing him and I was like, man, this guy's cool. I like him. It'd be fun to work together. Too bad I'm not going to hire anybody. And then at the very end of this interview, he basically said to me, you know, I can see that you're building something here and I want to be the person who builds it with you. And I remember thinking like, I'm building something here. Oh my God, that's so crazy. And um, I went home after that interview and I was just like so excited. Like Brendan made me excited about my business that I didn't think of as a business yet, you know. Um, and yeah, from there, I guess the rest is history. We Then I became an LLC. We got like actual business infrastructure things. <laughs> and did you um, know how to do any of that before you... No, nothing at so all. So you just learned it. Yeah, so I really like believe in entrepreneurs who like don't have experience or education because that's something that I have no education in and zero experience in. Um, and even though like my other family members of mine, they have studios, but same thing, they're not like an LLC, they don't need to do payroll, they don't have more students than like, you know, the 20 kids that they want to teach that week, which is awesome. Um, but we, um, figured it out on our own. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, some of that is like really challenging because it's like a lot of, I have to like research a lot to figure out very basic things that people, you know, somebody maybe with like a business degree or somebody who's been running companies longer is like, takes them two seconds to, but um, I really like that process. And I think it really balances my like very, you know, I feel very comfortable as a musician. Like I feel like I know a lot of things and I have a lot of experience. And um, not to say that I feel unqualified as a business person, but I feel much less experience and much less um, like formal education. So um, I like love the duality of that. And um, I really started to, at first I was so intimidated by all the business stuff, but now that's like the thing I love the most. And since I have that to kind of offset the overpowering academic musician part of me, it also lets me really appreciate that thing that I know really well a lot more. Um, and we've been using the two together a lot lately too. Um, for booking gigs and stuff. I haven't really had that much time to do gigs um, ever since I started hiring people, but we're kind of um, leveling off now. <clears throat> well, I shouldn't say leveling off. I've hired as many people as I want to hire for now. <laughs> and so I have like a little bit of time. So um, we're booking gigs again and we're using the studio as like a platform to do that. So we're using people from the teaching team and matching them up with other people, which is cool because we have a lot of classical musicians. We have a lot of jazz musicians. Um, and pairing them up has been a really fun experience. Um, but then I feel like I'm using both of those things because I'm the one who's going and booking all of the gigs because I have like a brand behind me. Um, and then as a musician, like when we're doing like jazz stuff, like I'm really enjoying all of the jazz gigs right now since I don't have like a degree in jazz, you know. 
Um, and so that's been fun because like that artist side of me has been like remembered <laughs> in a way that I haven't for um, a really long time. So it's been like the business side of it has really helped me like re-embrace the music side of it. Even though I was doing the music side all along, it's helped me to actually like um, enjoy it again and feel creative musically in a way that I didn't before. That scares a lot of people too. They feel as though if they are marketing themselves or turning themselves into a business, even if they don't have a company, but if they are just their own brand. A lot of people get so scared that they're losing the artistry in themselves as a musician if they start to market themselves really hard or anything like that, and you're saying that it's actually brought back. Oh, I'd say artistry. it's 100% the opposite of that. Yeah, I mean, it takes so much creativity from me to figure out, um, yeah, like, I mean, even just marketing strategies, you know, like, how do we, our network is great. And within our network, we have like an amazing referral rate. We have like really great schools that we work with. But you know, the bigger question, at least for my studio specifically is like, okay, we do really well once we're in somewhere, you know, but we need to be in, in more places, you know, and answering that question um, requires a lot of creativity. And maybe it's because that's not something where I have some textbook to look back on and point me in the right direction. but. I would say that the business end requires um, a lot more creativity, at least for me. Um, and I think, yeah, it's like been very empowering as not just a business owner, but as a musician to say like, yeah, I can do this like one thing, just run this one studio. You know, a lot of musician friends of both of ours, you know, have to do like 47 things in order to survive as a musician. Um, and I had to do that at one time too. And I mean, I gig also, so that probably counts as another thing. but. Um, I'm really lucky that I have this one business that is like sustainable, you know, and I think that having to be creative, um, as a business person, um, and learn new things and try new stuff and take risks and do stuff I'm not good at, that's like really, really great for the musician side of me too. Um, it makes me feel more confident and it also is just like, yeah, it just like frees up more creative space for me as a musician like practicing is more fun because <laughs> I have more cool stuff to perform at or um, just more studio stuff going on and yeah I would say it's like the opposite of that fear for sure so when so when thinking about because you did not obviously we've talked about the whole entire track and it was not planned it was not a straight track to becoming you know, no, yeah, owner founder opposite. and you know CEO or whatever of, of the Barrett School of Music so if you seeing you know knowing where you are now and thinking about it this way if you met somebody or even talked to like 19 year old you you know and you're starting your formal education in music like and, and by that I mean college what what do you say to that person and they they're just and you you see the potential in them to possibly be able to do the things that you're doing and or anything like that what do you say to somebody who goes yeah I want to have a private studio um, what, what's, what are some of the attributes that are helpful? What are you, what are some things that you wish you knew or you could have learned in school, but you just didn't think about it? I think about this a lot actually. And sometimes some of my friends who are, you know, just not graduating music school, kind of like you said, um, and they're like, not sure what they want to do. Um, I feel like I have this conversation a lot. I, I think that it would be, I mean, they're going to sound kind of a little bit cliche, but I think that like. It's not scary to say you're an entrepreneur, and I really thought that that like carries so much weight to say that about yourself. Like I'm an entrepreneur, that that means I have to like know something or be something already. 
Um, but that that's like, you should embrace that, you know? Even if you all, the thing that you want the most is to have a full schedule of students for yourself at your house. That you're an entrepreneur to do that, you know? Um, and I think that a lot of people don't perceive that as like any kind of risk to take, but it is because while you're building that studio, you're either gonna have to have some kind of little like side hustle so that you can continue to take on students and not have to go get a full-time job, um, which is what I did for a while when it was building. And I didn't think of myself, I just didn't feel like I could call myself an entrepreneur because I didn't have like a business with, you know, I didn't have an LLC. I didn't have like people working for me or this or that, so it doesn't count. Um, but it did, you know? And I really didn't think of myself that way and I was a lot less organized because of that. Um, I didn't take very many risks, that sounded scary at the time. Um, but now I understand that that's like very important to the studio. Um, the biggest first risk was hiring somebody. I, like I said, I just didn't know what that would mean for me. Um, and that's like the best business thing I ever did. All of the risks that I've taken as I look back over the last, um, like two and a half years that the studio has been like, had more than just me working for it. Um, all of the risks that I've taken have been like milestones for the studio. So I think taking risk is important. And um, a lot of the things that you don't learn in music school, you know, music is so focused on music. Um, and I did actually take some business classes. So I had like a little bit of background, but I didn't pay attention to them because I thought they were stupid. But um, <laughs> I, um, I don't think that it necessarily requires like a particular type of education. I think it's a lot about just um, being a little bit more adventurous than what um, you learn in school about just your subject matter. Yeah, because you said you didn't you didn't know a lot of the things that you had to learn until they came up. And then right. You, and that's that's a big thing. Is you the best the people that I've seen be the most successful as entrepreneurs and freelancers, especially in the music world, are the people who just say yes and then figure it out afterwards. Like, I'm a drill writer now. The first person who approached me and said, hey, could you write drill for me? I said, yes. And then that night, I YouTubed everything I possibly could about how to, how to work right. pieware. I just, and I read everything I could possibly find and I started dabbling in it and I knew somebody who was really good in it. So I called them and I was like, hey, what can you tell me? What are some tips? You know, things like that. And that's a scary part is to go like, oh, I just had this education and now I'm going to have to re-educate yourself. Right. And a lot of people try to blame the education as well. They go, well, in music school, I only learned about music and I didn't learn any of these business traits. Well, that's not, you can't do anything about that. Right, that's cool. And you also went to music school to learn about music. And yes, it'd be nice if we got some, some more entrepreneurial classes and a lot of schools are coming around to that. But you also went there to get really good at whatever, you know, being a music teacher or you know, playing the saxophone or whatever it is. Um, so when you, it's up to you to get out there and figure it out like you, like you did. Well, and that's too why I don't really care about like, um, in one sense, I mean, I like all of like the teachers in the studio to have degrees. So that's a little bit hypocritical of what I was about to say. But, you know, even, you know, so I don't have like a business degree. And, and I generally feel very disorganized as a business person. But like, obviously it's going good. <laughs> You know, but I remember like learning QuickBooks, like I spent an entire month figuring out how to work QuickBooks and I still don't really know how to work it that great, but you, you know, know it for what the you thing need. runs. Yeah. You know, and I know it, how I need to know it. And some of my other friends who have started businesses in the, and since I learned QuickBooks, 
um, have come to me to ask about QuickBooks, which I always just die laughing in my head when that happens because I just don't, same thing, I don't feel like, you know, well, I just know because I sat down and like had a couple tantrums over it and figured it out, you know, but um, like that's really cool now, you know, years later where, oh yeah, well, I obviously, yeah, I can show you how to put this in and I can show you this and that and like teach you a couple things. And you don't even really think of it as like some great skill that I have, you know, but like, yeah, you just sit down and you do it. And I don't, you know, like, um, even with like other music stuff that we're not like trained in, you know, like writing drills, you didn't have some class on writing drills. You're a musician though. <laughs> you can figure it out. And if not, just figure it out. You know, like if you want to be successful and you want to run your own anything, I think it's a lot of saying yes, absolutely. And kind of like, I don't want to say fake it till you make it, but kind of fake it till you make it where like, yeah, absolutely. I can do that. And I'll figure it out between now and when I have to do that, you know? Um, and I think that's like an important quality. Um, cause if you're going to be successful, then you're gonna figure it out the right way anyways. And I know, like, the things that I don't know that I need to know by a certain amount of time, I know I'm gonna figure them out, you know? Um, but I don't think it requires, like, a particular education. So yeah, I don't think that it's fair to blame some educational system for not preparing anyone a particular way for a particular thing, you know? So, we talked about a lot of, like, really cool things. So what's the not cool? What do you hate about the gig? <laughs> what are the things that like if somebody says yeah I want to do this what's the thing that you go that's cool this is awesome you can do this and this and this just know dot 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 what is that what is the because every gig's got it oh no I think it would be hmm well the thing that something that I really don't like handling as like you know the big boss lady is like all any conflict ever you know whether it's like some teacher who's not doing what I really need them to do or a parent who's upset at a teacher or whatever, like all of the <laughs> conflict is really not my favorite part of the thing. <laughs> and I think that when you multiply out, you know, before when it's me and everything is directly me, if a parent has some question about something, then obviously it's me because it's me, you know. Um, but within the studio, I think handling all of those, um, like, any kind of problem that doesn't involve me, but now it does because it's my studio. <laughs> That's, um, it has been something I've had to like learn to like not be flustered about, I guess would be a good way Especially to put that. Especially nowadays. I mean, I, I, I weave in and out of schools all the time. You probably see it too, but like parents don't even approach the teacher anymore. They go straight to the principal or, you know, the director or this or that they sort of like a lot of times like you know some somebody who one of your teachers you know isn't doing something that a parent wants and all they had to do was bring it up to a teacher but you get an email instead right yeah exactly yeah and and that's all like now I'm really fine with that I feel comfortable handling it but it is it I guess that's what it is it feels so unnecessary <laughs> you know like okay it's kind of the it. broccoli of your yeah. You just got to eat it and get it done with. And yeah. And like I said, like, that's another growing thing. Like, I'm really happy to have had um, some of the experiences that I've had. Or, like, um, we, I had to let go of a teacher um, about, like, six months ago. That was just horrifying. Like, <laughs> just so stressful. Because, you know, you just wonder, like, oh, my God. Well, are they going to call all of my students and, you know, like, try and take the rug out from under me? Or are they, you know, you just, like, oh, the, just the conflict of it all. I, like, don't enjoy but um 
it's good because it, uh, for me at least, it's taught me to be like very sure of myself. It's taught me to be a very clear communicator. Um, and to remember that like at the end of the day, like this is my studio in for the good and the bad, like I'm responsible for what goes on here and I'm responsible for like how it's reflected in the community. Um, and I've done at least a okay job of that so far because the thing is still growing, you know? So like, even though in hard times that feels like weighty, like, oh my gosh, you know, having let somebody go or like having some mad teacher or um, parent or something. But um, at the end of the day, those things are so small and they don't matter that much. And just keeping like a bigger picture of the studios doing well, you know, like this is still fun. This is still successful. And this little bump doesn't matter. Like I can get through this conversation, you know? Um, but yeah, that back end stuff is not the most fun, but even, even so, like the more that you walk through that, the, I think the better that I get at it and the less it means, you know, it doesn't mean as much to me now as it did before, right? I'd be like, oh, so flustered for like days. And now it's like, all right, well, let's just bite the bullet and What's, move forward. It's like a relationship. Anytime, like when you're first dating somebody, you know, they have the smallest problem with something and it's a huge deal to you. And then once you're like 10 years married or something like that, it's just like, oh, that's just, they're yeah, mad now. How it goes, yeah. They're mad. <laughs> they're mad. And, and they won't be later. And that's, and that, that's, that's what it seems like happens with people. Especially if we're in outrage culture now. Yeah. just like to be mad. Just like it's being mad. It's more fun. Um, and especially with, with parents. I mean, you are dealing with the joy of their life. And, you know, <laughs> everybody thinks that their kid is, you know, the the end all be all and yeah you know sometimes when you disagree they like to disagree with you yep so what so we talked i mean we talked about the bad but what what keeps you what keeps you going through this job what why keep doing this why not pursue other things oh i like man i love the studio i think as it continues to grow and be successful um you know one of the I wouldn't say hard things. I think funny things. Um, you know, we're at this point now. You know, I mentioned Brendan earlier, but he has this kind of interesting role because he's a teacher. That's his, like, role. But he's also, like, such a good, like, support to me and helps me. Like, I just texted him earlier today. Like, how do you log into the website? I don't know how to log in. I forget how to log in, I guess. I haven't logged in enough. But Brendan knows, so Brendan will tell me. But um, so we like bounce ideas off each other all the time. And he also has this like very managerial role in the studio. Um, and at the end of every month now, there's always like a name or two in our QuickBooks or that's come through the billing in our bank account that I like don't recognize. I don't know who they are. I don't know how they got in the studio um, or like who their teacher is or what their kid's name is. And obviously like we get all that information, but um, that's like hysterical. Like I love to laugh about that at the end of the month, you know, or like when some check that's mailed to the house and it's like some name I don't know, like that's great. Um, not to say that that's why I do it, but I think seeing it grow um, and it's grown very organically and it hasn't been like, obviously I've put in a ton of effort, but I, um, like I said, it's not this thing I set out to do and it, now I'm very dedicated to it. Um, but it's not, you know, running a business isn't something that I was like trained to do. And I think I have, I'm so, um, like proud to say that, you know, I run this business and it's awesome and it's something that I'm really proud of and the fact that it continues to grow 
Um, and I think if I stepped away and I just wasn't here anymore, the studio would like continue on its own, you know? And that's a really great point to be at um, for business, but also for me. Um, and I don't think I could ever like part with that for something else. You know, I would only, the only thing I could ever do is like go and build something else. You know, I couldn't, now being at this point, I could never, not that I can't like work for somebody else, but I just can't work for somebody else, you know, like it's too much fun to have my own thing. Um, which, and it was, and I don't want to like underscore the fact that it was like, it was really hard for a while, you know, because you're building this thing and you're like, oh my God, is it ever going to happen? But, um, you know, I love it. I love to turn around and be like, we built this thing, me initially, and now all of our teachers on the teaching team, um, built this thing and it's really cool. Um, and it's something that I'll like always do forever is build things. I hope it's the studio. Um, if it's not, it'll be something else. Like that's the thing that I like love doing. So, so what's next? More studio stuff. Well, I, we're planning to launch in Lakeland this year. So that'll be really fun. We so have, have you hired teachers out there already? Yes, I have two teachers out in Lakeland. Um, we have to get um, our brand out there. That's a weird, it's a very different market from Tampa I'm learning. So it's going to be really fun. Um, hopefully, the tentative plan is to launch in St. Pete after that. But, you know, we can't be too aggressive here. One city. Um, and we're also adding on instruments in the Tampa area. So we have, most of our instruments are available in most of the places that we teach, but in the next couple weeks, everything will be available everywhere we teach. Um, so, cause right now we have piano, voice, guitar, saxophone, clarinet, um, violin, viola, cello. I'm about to hire a bass teacher. Um, and then all of those instruments are being filled out in South Tampa, our main space, Seminole Heights, New Tampa, North Tampa. Um, West Chase and then Brandon so that's like we have like a good reach in our main area um, and then moving out to Lakeland will be good um, and I think that's kind of the plan I get all of our instruments everywhere that we already are um, and then like add on cities as we go and so what's the what's the incentive and drive to just keep building and building and building what what makes you want to keep putting it so you're not you're not just like all right I'm sustained <laughs> no, done. I never will be. That's just not me. I just never will be. Um, I feel like that's like the number one. If you had to say that's an attribute, it's just staying hungry. Yeah. In that way. Yeah, definitely. That's a good way to put it. Um, and I think that sometimes, you know, that's like given. Like, especially right now, I feel very much like in that phase. Like, um, like I want it, you know, and I have all these things to go and do. My to-do list is 75 things long. And sometimes I don't necessarily feel like that, but I still know that I want that. You know, I want the studio to be a big thing. I want it to be a successful thing. I want it to be like high quality and all the things that I want. And I just kind of know that even though I might not um, feel that, you know. But I think it's important to like live like that always as like an entrepreneur, you know, like keep moving forward and everyone should always think that you're very <laughs> energized and ready to go, which most of the time I am. And right now, like I said, I'm definitely in that like growth mode phase and having so much fun doing that. Um, but I think that's like the most important because it, there are highs and lows as an entrepreneur um, in whatever field and you have to move the same way no matter whether you're in like a high phase or a low phase. So, so any more words of advice for our people who are just – getting started in their music careers or trying to figure out what they want to do in their music careers. Do you have any advice for somebody who just kind of fell into their own awesome career? 
I mean, I would say that, um, yeah, like take a risk, like think of what you want to do and don't think about what your um, education says you're qualified or not qualified to do or what your experience says you're qualified or not qualified to do and um, find something that sounds exciting and like do the thing you need to do to get to that thing. Don't think about um, like your background, I guess. because so, I would have never built a studio other than that. So don't stop who you are or who you've been from becoming who you want to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like find what makes you happy, whether that's what your degree is in or not or what your instrument focus was in, your style or um, whatever that is, you know. Like that's it's a great time of life to be able to decide, like here's what I want to do. And whether or not that's very unintentional like me or you have the time to think and figure out what you want to do, um, you should do that thing, you know? <laughs> There's not a reason you can't. If I can run QuickBooks, anyone can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so how do, we, how do we find you? How do we find the School of Music? Shout All it out. Right, Anything you want to plug? Well, we have our website, which is www.barrettschoolofmusic.com. Um, and pretty much all our stuff is on there. We're all around. We're always doing performances. Um, we have a Facebook page, which is also Barrett School of Music. Um, and you can keep up with us there, all of our events. Um, we have stuff going on at least once a month at this point, whether it's like a social thing um, or our big recital or a big contest, um, all that stuff, yeah. We always want, we have, and we do have a couple of people, like just musician friends who are always kind of like our fan club groupies who come and do stuff with us. Um, and then we have all age people in the studio. We teach um, a lot of semi-professionals as well as kids. And yeah, come be a part of our community. How about you? Twitter, Facebook, anything like that? Well, I have my Facebook, you know, Laura Barrett and all that. Um, but I mean, all of that, and I mean, everything on our website is all me <laughs> so we're all there all the teachers i'm there um and yeah we... are you comfortable with people asking like emailing you questions or anything yeah like that? i would love that that would be great you can email me at laura at barrettschoolofmusic.com and yeah our office line you can and we can take text too it's 813-293-4594 and yeah i mean all of us feel very um passionate about young entrepreneurs, young musicians, um, all that. Do you run the, the phones and all that kind of stuff? Yes. Like mm -hmm. if they call those numbers? So it wouldn't be like one of your... No, no, like, no, don't get like me. Like your sex book <laughs> guy, like, why, why, why are you asking me about how to build a music business? I, I just work for her. I, I just know. work here. No, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, thank you so much for coming out today. I really appreciate it. So, so awesome to hear. You were one of the first people that I... We accidentally accidentally met. Yeah. On on LinkedIn, I, she just had mutual people. I saw we went to the same school, so I had her on LinkedIn, and then I just reached out and said, "Hey, I'm around." And um, she did what most musicians never do, and that's followed up. <laughs> and Isn't that the truth? she spoke back, and she said, "Same to you." We met up, we had lunch, and we've you know we've had a pretty good friendship. And you know, I send her business, she sends me business, and it's a good little little. You know, friendship of entrepreneurs we've got going yeah. on here. So, hey, thank you so much. Um, you were one of the first people that I thought of when I decided to do this whole podcast thing because this is exactly the kind of thing that I think more people need to be interested in. Not yeah. necessarily creating their own business, but like you did, not, not letting fear 
or not knowing something stopped them from doing something awesome. Yeah, so absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, you want to sign us out? Um, I didn't prepare her for this. Oh, no. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Yay! Go podcast! <laughs> <laughs>